Or do you introduce yourself as an animator? Is that... uh, no, uh, a production coordinator, but that's so sterile. <laughs> um, mm, man, that's hard. I don't know. You don't know? What do you think? Well, I think eco-activist slash animator is probably enough yeah. information Although to start with. I don't with. actually animate, I just like sort of produce the animation. Okay, so did you start out as an animator? No, I started out as a scriptwriter. And okay. then did like production, coordinating, worked on like cooking shows and then a Disney series. And what was the Disney series? It's called Counterfeit Cat. Okay. It went, it was out on Disney XD for a while and then now it's on Pop. Yeah. What was it like working on a Disney show? Mm, it was really cool because we weren't actually working sort of in Disney. Uh, I worked for a studio called Wild Seed Studios, which is like an independent animation studio. Um, so we kind of got to make our own rules but follow the guidelines uh, of Disney, which yeah. is really fun. That's really cool. Yeah, I imagine mm. it being some huge studio situation where there's like teams and teams of people in one like warehouse almost no. churning out these massive productions. But that sounds quite sort of cosy in a weird way. Yeah, we were just in like a firstly quite a big building. I think it's the YMCA now on Nelson Street. It was near the fire station um, and we had two floors of that. So there was like animators, storyboarders, producers all in one place. And then we moved to a smaller place um, and there was only about 25 of us so it felt really tight and mm. yeah like cozy yeah cool yeah. so what what sort of shows have you worked on since then uh so i oh, i've had such a strange path um so i was in documentary and then went into animation for the disney series and then had a year where i was working on cooking programs specifically so i worked with the hairy bikers and nadia hussein and then got a job back in the animation studio that I loved um so we've been working on an international series um action adventure slash comedy uh, about insects and it has sort of green themes woven into it are you allowed to give any more information on that or is that a uh it will in be it's sort of in pre-production yeah so it will be launched in China first um in hope they're hoping uh, early 2020 So on the side of your animation production work, you are the founder of Waste Not Bristol. Uh, could you tell me what you do with that? Yeah, so it started out just as like an Instagram account for me to document sort of what green things I was thinking about or sort of um, actions that I was taking to be more sustainable. Uh, and then I spent some time on a community in India which was completely zero waste. And I was so inspired by what they did. I was like, wow, this is the way that we should all be living. So I wanted to come back to Bristol and really sort of activate as many people in my small network, but also in my wider network in the community and really outreach. Um, so I had an idea of setting up a campaign, uh, like a crowdfunder, a crowdfunder. And that was in the winter of 2018. My goal was to raise seven thousand pounds so i could make 400 like plastic free starter kits um which was yeah so um optimistic but i was so happy that i, I managed to raise just over two thousand mm. pounds 
so I could make 120 on the dot um, plastic free starter kits that I put together with the help of um, some quite local companies, but then also more national, uh, bigger companies. And then I, since then, have been going around different charities in my lunch break, (laughs) mainly my lunch breaks or on weekends, um, and offering sort of plastic-free workshops, talks, and then donating a bunch of kits to the people who come to my talks and workshops. Cool. So what what is a plastic-free starter kit? That's a really good question. Um, So it contains, it's an organic tote bag that has the Waste Not Bristol logo on, um, which is, yeah, 100% organic cotton. And then inside that you'll find... um, a reusable water bottle which is made from Sheffield steel uh, by a company called Raw Bottles um, and it was also part funded by City to Sea which is a Bristol based plastic pollution campaigning group who have done some really amazing petitions recently so they um, their branding is also on the bottle City to Sea have an amazing app called the Refill app and you can download it and basically see all of the different cafes, shops uh, yeah, a whole host of, of venues that offer free drinking water uh, if you want to fill it up at any point. And then I put in a bamboo toothbrush, uh, which is from a company called Truthbrush, which are based in Devon. And then uh, natural tooth powder. So it's like an alternative to toothpaste that comes in plastic tubes. It's a powder that comes in a glass jar. And uh, it's actually pretty good for reusing after in the kitchen to put spices and stuff in. Uh, so that's the tooth powder it does it takes some getting used to the transition from toothpaste regular toothpaste to natural tooth powder sounds like a medieval remedy or something i can imagine that being like a yeah like the apothecary tooth tooth powder that sounds a little bit strange it's like clayey and sometimes Mm. fizzy and there's a lot of bicarb (laughs) in it so it's kind of salty which isn't what you're used to after having a fresh clean well, it took me a while to get used to like charcoal toothpaste mm. and that was you know fine in the end so I guess if you, you give it give it a week or so and then suddenly it will start to be the new normal and you'll be fine with it I guess yeah I think that that's totally true and yeah it's just sort of that transition period getting over the strange taste and knowing that it does work and then a solid bar of vegan friendly soap um so that people uh, can just test out what it's like to use solid soap because I feel like I don't know, growing up, we never had solid soap. It was seen as sort of a dirty thing that people had, whereas now I just, I absolutely love it and wouldn't switch back. So that's funny, because I think that's yeah. like the standard base yeah. level thing to have, but it's, it's weird to have to persuade people to use something that was the norm probably not that long ago. How can we get our hands on one of those? So they're not actually... Uh, for sale for sort of um, people, but I've always got links to the uh, companies that sell the products on my Instagram. Uh, so you can find out where they retail them and buy them for yourself. But m- my kits are basically only for charity. So I got them at a sort of wholesale rate and managed to get a lot of kits for a lot less money than they would be at a retail price um, on, on the basis that they would go purely to people who might not be able to afford them oh, for see. themselves. Okay, cool. So earlier you mentioned you were really impressed by a community in India and the way mm. they were living. So what did you see over there that inspired you to come back and make the changes in your own life? So I think the best example that I had of like the circular processes that they had there 
was um the the wood so we it was a reforestation program so we would be planting trees every day and then if we found like a a dead tree in the forest we'd bring it back to the community chop up the wood use it for their amazing rocket stoves that they use to cook all the food so they're like a really sustainable um a highly efficient stove that that burns wood uh so we would cook with that wood and then once that wood has been used for cooking we would separate the charcoal and the ash the ash would then go to the washing stations where you use it like a a grease removing soap so like the the fine powder of the ash when we separated it um you'd use a coconut husk to like a scour scouring pad dip it in the ash and then clean your plates or anything that had oil on it and they'd be like sparkling after hmm. and then that would get tipped into the back into the earth so the ash would go back into the earth and then the charcoal would be put to one side and we'd take it to the forest the next day to plant the trees and they're soaked in urine which again is from the separation of the <laughs> compost toilets that are there um, so it'd be soaked in urine and then would go in with the roots of the newly planted trees because they, they hold a lot of the nutrients in the charcoal so for me that was like the best example I have of just one of the examples of how they use everything at every point of its life without wasting a thing. So have you been able to adopt a similar thing in any way back here in Bristol? Yeah, so one of the oh, one of my favourite things that I found there was they had like just loofah vines, which are basically a type of cucumber. It's a type of gourd that grows, uh, it looks like a, a stale cucumber hanging from a tree (laughs) with a hard shell but you crack it open and it's a really it's like the exoskeleton of the vegetable but it's like this it's like a sea sponge but it's a loofah sponge yeah which is actually a vegetable okay and then you can use it as like a body sponge or like washing your dishes so i bought a bunch of seeds back from india with me i was gonna say i thought you meant that that was just something that grew here anyway and i was like i've not in my whole life i've seen that but you you brought the plant back and you're growing them here yourself I, yeah i'm actually attempting i've been told that you can't really grow them in the uk without a polytunnel or a greenhouse and i'm attempting to grow them in my bedroom uh with like a heat mat underneath them and um there was one point when i thought i was going to get fruit but they shriveled up and died um and i don't think i'm going to get fruit but i've got a friend who said i can use their polytunnel next year to try again okay. um but yeah for me that just knowing that there's there's natural products that we can use that are just as effective as any chemical or plastic um counterparts um yes that's the one thing that i really brought back with me my love of the loofah (laughs) um and yeah just wanting to uh, impact a community in the way that they did how do you manage to fit all this in around a full-time job Hmm. that's a really good question um (laughs) with very little downtime really like uh i was mentioning to you earlier i don't I don't really listen to podcasts, I don't really read, um, I kind of do all my day at work, completely focus on that and then in the small hours of the morning or the evening I try and sort of organise things for Waste Not and then on top of that I'm also pretty heavily involved with um, the local Extinction Rebellion group, organising actions for them and sort of helped organise the big uprising that happened a few weeks ago in the summer. So yeah, I'm really stretched. Um, and I probably could do with more time to focus on things more. I don't like doing anything half-heartedly, so yeah, it kind of annoys me when I can't do it to my full capacity. 
So is the end goal to move away from working in animation, TV and film to sending yourself on Waste Not Bristol? Potentially, I'd have to really seriously look into funding options. Because it's a difficult thing to try and turn a profit when you're fundamentally doing it. You know, it's like a selfless yeah task, and people it? have asked me like why don't you sell the products and then like make a bit of money and then use that money for the kits and where I'm coming from I want it to com- be completely like non-profit driven uh, and non-consumption driven I don't really want to promote this idea that we need to buy new things all the time because a lot of the time we can just reuse what we have already so yeah just like in my gut I feel like I don't want to make money out of that thing that I really enjoy doing on the side. So to be honest, I love my job in animation and I feel like I'm probably just going to be juggling both of these things for a long time. Well, it all stems from like, for me, the same like path. I remember looking at like the university uh, prospectuses and like seeing environmental sustainability as a course and seeing script writing for television and film as a course and I was I was in this big dilemma with with what to go for and I remember coming out of uni and being really annoyed that I hadn't picked the environmental course <laughs> and and then sort of actually really enjoying the work that I found in like script writing and television mm. uh, so I went through this big journey of actually being like no I, I needed to do that learning and I, I needed to sort of um, harness my creativity and know what to do with it to then get to the point now where I'm enjoying the job that I do within the animation industry and yeah. also able to do extra things outside of those hours that feeds my want to uh, better the world sustainably yeah as well do you see there is a chance for you to merge those two things and one day you know, if you're as a screenwriter, perhaps writing something that changes views on the environment or, you know, like a sort of mission statement film where mm. you can get your message across through that particular medium? Or Yeah, totally. I feel like actually my sort of green values underline everything that I do. And I've been really fortunate to be given opportunities to really take um, lead of that in companies like the studio that I work for now. Um, I sort of advise them on how we can make the office more green, how we can make our film shoots more green. And uh, yeah, like you were saying with sort of storylines and episodes, I've been working really closely with the editors on the children's series that we're making now. And we have got an episode where our hero teaches a village, instead of draining the power of a non-renewable resource, that they can each use what they already have to make... um, uh, a product that it has wind power solar power and water power so they have like renewable energy forever in that village so already I feel like all of my all of my passions are feeding into each other and it didn't feel like it was too hard I wasn't crowbarring it in it was just mm. that's what I thought would be cool for, to happen in the script and then it happened you often see now like a, a one word or one phrase title for like a challenge, an environmental challenge, something like Plastic Free July, or uh, going for a year without buying anything new from a shop, clothes-wise, I mean. Um, and I think that can sometimes put people off because it's too much of a switch. So how do you find, how do you find the discipline and yeah. how do you get into that routine? 
it's hard for me to like I always say to all my friends when they're like oh I feel really bad that I'm eating this plastic sandwich next to you it's like really don't because like ultimately individual change is good but we live in a system that is linear and it's not circular and we we are just in that system we're imperfect in an imperfect system so we shouldn't uphold these um crazy expectations of ourselves um so my sort of discipline is one just be kind to yourself because we're not always going to get it right and then two like just take it really slow it doesn't happen overnight I remember being really frustrated when I first sort of had the like epiphany moment or moment where I sort of felt like I saw everything and all the destruction that I felt like I was causing individually and then sort of thought actually no this is a bigger much bigger problem it's a systemic 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 global problem um so yeah that that's my discipline like it's okay to slip up but Mm. just try your best and just take it like even just more like really incremental steps like maybe one thing a month that you feel a bit weird about like using like i don't know disposable razors then one month you can get a uh, a safety razor that you just changed the blades of um as an example but yeah just take it really slow i don't think it happens to anyone overnight and if it does it means that they've spent a lot of money buying a lot of tools for that back to waste not bristol what's the response been like to your program uh in terms of sort of online community have been really supportive and then uh the people that the service users that i visit personally have been really receptive i went and did a talk at bristol um refugee women bristol which is uh, held at the malcolm x center in st paul's and they're just so like keen to learn and they want to just they just want to do loads of things and one of the ladies there said she wanted to start making her own soap and then I was like you could do it like you could all pull your resources and I think she set up like a soap making group now where they will share soaps Um, and they were teaching me loads of things actually because I was talking about bamboo toothbrushes and they were saying that but it's got the plastic still like the actual brush like the bit the bristles of the brush are plastic so that is still contributing microplastics um, and they said, well, we can just buy neem sticks, like the stick of a neem tree that mm-hmm. grows in India uh, normally. And then you chew on that and it basically turns the end of the stick into bristles. And then you brush your teeth with the bristles. And then when you're done with it, it can go straight in the compost without causing any sort of plastic pollution on the way. I think it's so funny hearing that process of going back to nature and with the powdered toothpaste and all these things. It seems like we're all sort of easing out of you know, a big oscillation of technology coming in mm-hmm. and now we're slowly moving out of it in some ways. We'll take things with us, obviously, but like huge numbers of people are, you know, choosing to live off everything they make in their garden yeah. or, you know, taking themselves out of globalization and just getting things that are made within, you know, almost walking distance of where they live and things like that. It's sort of, we've gone right to the edge and now we realize that that doesn't work and it's slowly happening that we're, pulling ourselves back down and it's yeah yeah. and I think we need to like it's it's a really crude metaphor if you imagine that the human population is like bacteria in a petri dish like we've (laughs) expanded so much like globally capitalism consumerism that we've like hit the sides of the petri dish now we're having to retreat back to like a smaller simpler life Mm. and I I think yeah especially with my time in India I think we can live in harmony in Mm. that way but it's how do you 
empower people to want to make those changes instead of enforcing people with like bans and taxes and things mm. we want it to be like i personally want it to be a really positive um transition um yeah so i i don't know i think i i just don't know how we say to people you can't you can't fly yeah anymore because it doesn't benefit the world like i, I don't know what what will happen when we hit things like that A lot of people on the internet, it's um, everyone really picks a side and will f- argue to the finest point just to push things apart as far as, and I think that really pushes things backwards. And some people get to the point where they're talking about living so simply and so basically and just shutting off from society, mm. which I guess, you know, people could live like that and they could be very happy and that would be fine. But I don't think that really is helpful for the greater good Mm. because you alienate yourself from people who are living on the other end of the spectrum and you want to meet people halfway yeah I've had so many of these thoughts over the years and I remember saying to a friend like I just when I got back from the community I was like I just want to I could just stay there forever and be very content but Mm. I know there's so much work to be done within the systems that are already broken and I think personally for me it is at the moment with the energy that I have better to be part of that system even if I might not agree with everything within it than just exactly alienating myself removing Mm. myself um, and not necessarily having that impact that I'd hope I would Um, but it's always a thought I always like dreaming Mm. daydreaming of being somewhere where I don't have to worry about going to the shop and avoiding plastic that I can just go into my garden and pick out my food for the day yeah it would be lovely so say you had to you were shipped off to a commune tomorrow what things that don't fit in with your environmental approach to life do you think you want to take with you because you feel you'd miss them too much I think it would be a really cheesy thing and like just like my phone because I can speak to my family yeah oh that's nice my family are like all over the world I've got a twin Mm. sister in Australia so literally Mm. the other side of the world and I feel like if I did go into a commune and didn't have those people or access to those people that would really impact my Mm. happiness and contentment I really really hate the argument when someone this is a this is a, a real Twitter argument that you see is well oh you're preaching about saving the environment and you're not you're preaching about destroying consumerism and capitalism but you uploaded this tweet on an iPhone that was made in China and you bought it from the Apple store which isn't the point Mm, and that's it's so infuriating and it'd be really great if those people instead of sort of picking holes in those people who are trying to use their platform and privilege to send out a positive message for what the future could be if those people trying to tear them down could focus their anger at the people in power who actually make the decisions to implement the change and make it a more fair and just world then that would be really lovely but it just seems that they they direct their anger sort of slightly at the wrong people what are you working on for Waste Not Bristol at the moment? So I just last week visited a charity called 125 who work directly with vulnerable women in Bristol who, um, and most of them are sex workers, so they sort of help them to, if they want to, come off the street and sort of into housing, into education, into jobs. 
uh, and they have a lot of drop-in centers where people can have food for free uh, access to like period products access to clothes um yeah a whole host of amazing things that they supply uh, so I went to see them and donated 20 of my uh, plastic free starter kits and they would like me to sort of go to their more regular meetings that they have in St Weirburgs to do maybe like once a month workshops with the women there about mm. how they can look at things in their life to reduce their waste or to minimise their impact that they're having individually. Mm. So how, yeah, how can we get involved? Oh, it's a good question. Um, well, I sort of would always say, like, look at your own life um, what you're doing. Um, there's some really amazing people uh, to follow online. There's a lady called Polly Box who is just really honest about the situation. She sort of looks at things from a systemic change point of view, but also has made lots of swaps in her individual life. Um, so sort of do a lot of reading I guess find out more about the climate crisis and what we sort of need to be moving towards there's a really great movement called Transition Towns which looks at building resilience in communities and strengthening communities which I really love because uh, I think that is the only way we're going to survive in the future by coming together um, so to get involved uh, I am hopefully going to be putting up another funding um campaign towards the end of this year so kind of in the winter of 2019 um, and if you want to donate to the campaign that's amazing if you don't have the money that is fine and you can share or talk about it that would be really lovely um, and if anyone has any charities that they think could benefit from this or community centers or even local people down the road who you might think could really benefit from the kits um, just find me at waste not bristol on instagram and let me know i'd love to hear from you Finally, do you have any little, I don't like the term life hack, mm. but perhaps a, yeah, a little tip or a, something that you found yourself really works that helps you live more environmentally friendly? I think we don't appreciate glass jars enough. <laughs> I have one glass jar that is literally like my, uh, it can be my coffee cup, it can be my breakfast tupperware for porridge it, it like glass jars are just the best at holding like solids or liquids um putting like your your soap bar in when you're going traveling and you don't want it to leak out into your bag i just yeah just glass jars are amazing nice and simple cool mm -hmm. yeah thanks a lot for talking to me thanks for having me it's been a pleasure mm -hmm.